We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What up, what up? Welcome into another edition of Green with Envy. As always, this is your boy Will. We are checking in. How you doing? How you living? Joining me today, as he does each and every time, my best friend, co-host, and the coach of our podcast, the one and only Greg Manakis. How are you doing on this Sunday morning as we record, my friend? I am hung over. <laughs> How about you, man? I, I haven't had... I don't know. I think I had like seven or eight beers yesterday. I haven't had seven or eight beers in a while, so I'm I'm definitely feeling it, brother. I'm a little tired. I mean, more so just as a little little context. Greg and I have one of our uh, best friends here in Austin, Texas, it's making the making the reverse pilgrimage back to to Boston coming up here this next week. So doing a little celebrating of uh, his time here in Austin. So part of that was doing, and as you've heard us talk about here when we get into our weather segments with Adam, uh, you know, it's, it's, it gets very hot down here in Austin, Texas, if you're not, if you're not aware. So uh, as part of his goal yesterday was to do kind of a walking bar crawl, if you will. Um, and I decided to, to go along for half of it. This loop that he decided to do is about 12 miles. I did about six of them. My feet hurt. I'm tired. I'm, I'm not necessarily hungover. I'm just, I think I'm just, I was very drained because I joined at probably the peak of the heat. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily, this trail does have a, a considerable amount of shade. So it's, it wasn't as bad heat wise as I anticipated. But um, yeah, it was a, it was a day. So we're, we're getting through it. But you I know was what? surprised, bro. I was surprised that you joined as early in that as you did. I played it smart. I played it safe. I understood my <laughs> limits as a human being. I have about a three to four hour social battery, regardless of what the situation is. So I, I was like, all right, I'm showing up to the last spot and I'm going to let it roll over to the after party. Mm-hmm. I'm going to cut myself off at four hours and head home. When I got there and I saw that you had been there since noon and it was five o'clock by the time that I got there, I was like, man. This dude is something special here. Well, you know, I'm, I'm an energizer bunny when it comes to like being social, like especially if it's in a very casual situation like that. Part of my thinking was like, so I did some cardio at the gym on Friday and I was like, I, I want to kind of keep, I, I, I kind of slipped a little bit lately with like keeping my like cardio and just, just really just working out. So I was like, all right, What's I got the off season, today. bro. Men's league's over. 
I know, but but I also missed that last game, so I have a little bit of like I got to be ready for next year because I feel like we got to we we've been we've been slipping, we've been slipping in the men's league when it comes playoff time. We've been we've been pulling some Celtics, you know yeah. what I mean? We we had the one seed, we had the two seed the year before, and we we slipped up both years in the semifinals. Didn't even make it to the finals, so uh, I feel like I want to get back to to getting in a little bit better rhythm again of like working out. And I'd gone to Puerto Rico, and it had been it's just been like an up and down schedule. So to get something consistent, so I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna make this my workout for the day. This is gonna be my workout, but my feet do the the. The dogs are barking today. My uh, my, my feet are <laughs> feet are a little sore. I can't imagine how our guy is who did the full loop from nine a.m. to five p.m. That is uh that is some heroic tales. But you know, not not to bore everybody with the <laughs> with our plans with a friend that they don't really know. He's friend of the podcast, Ted Barry. Shout out to our guy. Um, let's get into let's get into some Celtic talk here, Greg. Because earlier in the week, Adam and I had to record two podcasts to cover one trade which was really two trades and ended up being the exodus of Marcus Smart. Now, Adam and I basically did this within, I don't know, 12 to 14 hours of each other because whatever, because we recorded and then almost immediately after or several hours later, it all fell apart, was redone and turned into a much, much larger conversation. So let's start here because we haven't gotten your thoughts yet. And you start wherever you want to here, whether you want to start with Porzingis in Boston. And we're obviously going to get to, on this on this show today, we're going to get into some of our favorite memories of Marcus Smart. Greg has a top five list that I'm, I'm going to react to and add in my own thoughts on. But let's start there, Greg. What were your thoughts as the trade happened, didn't happen, and then was completed? Well, this is a very emotional week for me. I'm losing our guy, Ted Barry. He's moving back to Boston. And then one of my favorite players in Boston Celtic history, Marcus Smart, has been traded to the Memphis Grizzlies, which does mean that he's geographically closer to us because Memphis is about a 10-hour drive. So if we ever want to go see Marcus, we can. And now he is in the Western Conference. So there's he's probably going to play the Spurs a little bit more. He'll be coming to Texas a little bit more. So there's a chance that we'll be able to still see Marcus. And just like in general, um, Marcus being closer to his hometown of Dallas, I think is cool for him. Like if there's going to, if he's going to be traded anywhere, I feel like the Celtics set him up in a good position. But to your question of how Real was quick, I feeling? It's a perfect match. Like Marcus Smart to the Memphis culture. And it, it's funny, you know, who else was a really good Celtic that turned out to be a really good fit for Memphis culture it was Tony Allen. Also from Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State, yeah. So the parallels are, are, are right there on a platter. Yeah, but to your you know initial question, how was I feeling um, throughout that process? Because I haven't had a chance to be on the pod since it all happened. That was all you and Adam. I was stoked when I saw that we were going to be getting Chris Tapp's Porzingis um, in general. Obviously, the Malcolm Brogdon deal was the preferred deal. Um, when you send out Marcus Smart, who is the heart and soul, all the cliches that you know about Marcus Smart, love and trust, all that stuff, it definitely hurts. Like I've, I haven't felt this way probably since uh, as a kid, Nomar Garcia Parra got traded. Like that's probably the closest I've felt to what I'm feeling with Marcus Smart, and I didn't know how I would feel because you know we've traded Marcus Smart thousands of times on podcasts across thousands the upon thousands, thousands <laughs> of times. And when he got traded, I was really shocked, man. It was one of those things where I was I was making sure that it was the real shams, that it was the real woes that tweet, tweeted something up because I know you've gotten got before. I didn't want to get got, and I was like, wait, we're trading Marcus Smart to the Grizzlies. So then I'm thinking like, okay who's coming back, you know, 
I was floating out like, is there a world in which John Morant gets traded? So I'm thinking like, <laughs> is this part of a bigger deal that we get Ja somehow? Are we getting Tyus Jones? And I see Tyus Jones is in the deal, but he's not coming to Boston. So that was disappointing. Then I see that we get a couple picks involved. One's a, real, a pick swap, which turned into four uh, second round picks. Yeah, we'll talk about um, but, that later. But then the Warriors pick is, is a great little asset. But there, I was just going through all these, you know, different thoughts, different emotions. And at the end, what I landed on is I'm just super appreciative for the nine years that Marcus Smart spent in Boston. And I still have this tightness in my chest, which is probably just being like, hey, man, you, you probably just need to spend some time by yourself and cry a little bit <laughs> and just like pour one out for Marcus Smart, because it's going to be really, really hard to watch Boston Celtics without Marcus Smart next year. And it is rare, right? It's it. This is the rare breed of trade that you just can't evaluate on a non-emotional scale. Like the the emotion is part of Marcus Smart. That was always the issue with Marcus Smart, and I say issue in in, in almost a good way, right? In that, in all these fake trades, there was never a correct value assessment of who Marcus Smart is, and then specifically what he means. To the Celtics. This is like the Bill Simmons. He means more to us than he does to you. So for you to come get him, you're going to have to overpay, even if you don't think he's worth that. It's like we know what those intangible effects are that are on the team. And and for a guy like Marcus Smart, that actually extended to the fan base. That extended to the crowd and the the hustle plays that you see inside a place like the TD Garden. You know, so it, it was all. It was never going to be easy. To trade him it was never going to feel good despite the amount of trades that you know ourselves and other podcasts and other you know and just fans in general have, have put him into you know part of it I, this is what i said on, on one of the shows with adam it was always a testament to how good he was because we couldn't really trade the jays you know and then it was like well if we're ever going to trade somebody and get something of value marcus is kind of that next guy Mm -hmm. And it was always, what does that mean? And then ending up with, you know, in a vacuum, taking out Gallo, Muscala, you know, and you really end up with going up 10 picks in that first round, which of course they, they did some other moves with, and then getting another first round pick plus a guy that has been an all-star is closer to that star borderline star. Whereas Marcus Smart is going to be that supreme role player. That's that, that's his lane. Porzingis is, if we're doing the tiers, is probably one to one and a half tiers closer to that all-star, borderline all-star level. And to get a guy like that after, you know, so many different conversations about what Marcus Smart's worth, like I said, that that speaks to, to the value that Marcus had. And I think it speaks to Brad making a really tough decision, but doing so in a way that brings you back a guy that potentially can really increase your ceiling. So tell me your thoughts about, about Porzingis before we, we continue on this Marcus Smart path. Before we go into Porzingis, just like going back to what you said about Bill Simmons, you're talking about value. Recently on a pod, Bill Simmons floated out a Marcus Smart trade idea, which just shows you like how nobody really knows what the value for Marcus Smart is. He was thinking Tim Hardaway Jr. plus the number number 10 pick, right? Mm -hmm. And for the fact that the Celtics got Chris Stapps Porzingis, a pick swap, and a pick that could be in the lottery. Who knows what's going to happen yeah. with the Warriors next year? Like, we don't even know if Draymond's on that team. Chris Paul's 38 years old. Um, they don't have the same um, same general manager anymore. So we don't even know what that pick's going to be. It could be a really good pick. So, like, if Simmons is thrown out there, and Simmons is pretty plugged in, Tim Hardaway Jr., who's nowhere near the level of player that Chris yeah. Porzingis is, if we're talking about, like, degrees of separation between Marcus Smart and Chris Porzingis, and you go Marcus Smart, 
Tim Hardaway Jr., right? Tim Hardaway Jr. is below what Marcus Smart is. Chris Haps-Porzingis is equivalently higher than like what uh, Tim Hardaway exactly. Jr. is yeah. low to Marcus Smart, right? So we got a lot of value for Marcus Smart. And um, my thoughts on Chris Stapps, I mean, the he, dude's unbelievable. Dude's seven foot four, the original unicorn. Um, he's looked much healthier. His the the one question I have about Porzingis is how his defensive instincts and his preferred way to play defense is going to fit into the Celtics scheme because the Celtics don't play a ton of drop. Although mm -hmm. we did like randomly go into a little bit more drop with Horford last year, which I didn't really love, especially in that uh, Philly series where we we're just playing a lot of drop. Uh, Porzingis is one of the best drop defenders in the league. So I wonder how much they lean more into some drop defense. Um, they could go drop with Rob Williams uh, sitting in the corner, just like they kind of have done in the past. Instead of switch everything, they just have drop with Rob there and they just have two big uh, rim protectors by the rim. Maybe we see a little bit more zone with some jumbo lineups. Who knows what we're going to see. But Porzingis definitely makes this team more balanced as a roster and way more talented. Yeah, and you heard Brad Stevens talk about it in his media availability after the draft, right? Like the options that you have with that Porzingis, Rob, Horford lineup, you know, all three of those guys can play together. All three of those guys can be the lone big man, you know, in the lineup construction that you have. So you just have a lot of versatility. He, he even joked that at some point, maybe you'll see, you know, all three of them together because with, mm -hmm. with Porzingis' ability to stretch the floor and Al's really, too, who finished second in three-point percentage this past season, you know, you do have a, a, a world in which you could get really weird throw Jason Tatum at the two, maybe Derek White at the one, you just get, you just get super freaky with it. But, uh, you know, that was a bit in jest, but it does give you, you know, a lot of versatility. So I'm excited to see what that on-court fit looks like. I think, you know, a few days removed, it's still probably the only real drawback to me. And, and by the way, in Mark Stein's newsletter today, it does, he does reiterate, he does think there is a likely chance that Porzingis signs a two-year $77 million extension. Uh, I believe he's eligible at some point in the next month in July. So we'll keep an eye on that, but that could be more of a long-term play and than just this one year that he has right now. And, you know, the one thing that I think is the drawback for me, and it, this is probably for most people, is you now just have multiple people with injury histories on your team. And so you're relying a lot on Porzingis, Rob Williams, Malcolm Brogdon, which has another very weird component to it. Uh, you know, you're relying on them to to give you a bill of health again and Al Horford just to continue to beat father time and be able to give you quality minutes when he's in there. So we'll see. I like the fit with Porzingis. Um, let's uh let's take a quick break and let's do some let's do some of our favorite Marcus Smart memories. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. All right, Greg. So... Mark is smart. It is a sad farewell. He put out his thank you note to, you know, his notes app message to uh, to the Boston Celtics fans the other day. It uh, I think it hit everybody in the field. So before we completely move on, I'm sure it will be something that we touch on throughout the offseason, throughout next season. Um, let's do a little bit of our favorite memories. And, you know, I know you came up with a list of, of five specific ones. So let's, <laughs> let's, let's, let's use that as kind of a jump off point. And I'll, I'll throw in a couple ones that, that I had in my mind as well, but let, let's start with, let's start with what you got here. Let's go to number five. Okay. Throw through together is, is the right way. Like, but I want to add a little <laughs> adverb in front of that very hastily thrown okay. together list. Uh, I, I didn't do like the full, full deep dive going through every single season. Marcus Smart spent with the Celtics, but we'll I do have a list. The, the, the things that just came to the top of my, my mind. All right. Number five, we've talked about Marcus Smart being the, probably the greatest no, no yes player in the history of the Boston Celtics. He somehow took that from Antoine Walker. I don't think anybody ever expected that to happen, but he did. He took the no, no yes uh, belt from Antoine Walker. So the fact that Marcus Smart, uh, in 2020, I think it was January 2020 against the Phoenix Suns, set the Boston Celtics record of 11 three-pointers made in a single game. It just speaks to the irrational confidence that Marcus Smart has had to take 22 three-point shots in that game. He was 11 <laughs> for 22 shooting three-pointers in that game. Marcus Smart, to this day, holds the record most three-pointers in Boston Celtics history. So this is going to be a running theme throughout this list. No, no, yes. The story of Marcus Smart, life of a Boston Celtic. <laughs> like that—that that is basic. That that is how, to a certain degree, we kind of live and die with Marcus Smart. I know some of the memories that I have. I'm going to save one because I think we're going to get to some playoff memories here in a minute. So I have a specific playoff memory that I want to that I want to put in about no, no, yes game from Marcus Smart as well. So I'm going to I'm going to save that. But yeah, it's it's pretty crazy when you think about. You know, this team has had Ray Allen. Antoine Walker was shooting threes at a rate that compares to today's NBA back in, you know, 01, 02. We've had Paul Pierce. We've had, you know, so many like Jason Tatum. You know, we've had Kyrie Irving even for those couple of years and Isaiah Thomas just going ballistic. Yet the single game record holder for three pointers made belongs to Marcus Smart. That's just, that's, that, there couldn't be a more Marcus Smart for him thing for him to leave this franchise with than having that record. So I love that one. 
that's a great one. Let's go to number four. Um, okay, so this kind of falls into an umbrella of like Marcus Smart Tommy points because okay. I, I I believe he is the leader. I don't know. I didn't I didn't fact check. Here, here's the thing: it doesn't fucking matter if he's not the leader. He is the entire he he has the entire environment of of what a Tommy point is and what a Tommy point award is. It's Marcus Smart. So I don't care what <laughs> the record shows. He, he is a Tommy point. I have no idea what word you just used. Environment. I don't know. Either, <laughs> But yes, whatever that word you just said is, Marcus. Whatever word I attempted to use. <laughs> Marcus Smart. Embodiment was the word embodiment. I was looking for. I, I said embodiment. Embodiment was the word I was looking for. It's, Definitely. We're, we're drinking coffee. We're fighting through this. We're, right we're, get, we're getting to it. But Marcus Smart, um, you know, the, the Tommy Point Award, the fact that Marcus was Tommy, it was like Marcus and Isaiah Thomas. Tommy Einstein loved those two guys because of just like the spirit that they brought to the court. And there was this one play. I don't remember the game. I don't remember which year it was. It was within the past probably three or four years where Marcus Smart broke his thumb, right? Mm -hmm. Marcus Smart missed a whole bunch of games and he comes back into a pretty high stakes game. And I think it was the first play he was on the court or the first minute he was on the court. There's a loose ball and Marcus Smart decides, you know what? Fuck it. I know I have a broken thumb. I'm returning. And on the very first play, he dives full, you know, full Dennis Rodman diving onto the court. And everybody's just like holding their breath. Like, oh my God, is he really doing this right now? And he gets up and he's just like so excited to be back on the court, clapping his hands. It's like this dude just didn't care about his body. He was willing to sacrifice his body for the team. And that play just stands out as something where I was like, man. Marcus Smart is really that dude. The fact that he sacrificed his body the first play he's back on the court after coming back in from broken thumb, unbelievable. And, you know, I know we're celebrating Marcus right now, but like that's part of Brad Stevens' gamble, right? Is that this dude's body's going to break at some point. And it's just, it's always tougher for a guy to, to hold up when you, you know, when you play that way, especially like you said, this was right off an injury, first game back, you know, no regard, just diving on the floor. And, you know, and that's what I think made him so endearing to Boston fans and what made this trade so emotional is because you that, that's the exact type of guy that the Boston fans want to root for. And, you know, I think sometimes, obviously, it, it becomes, you know, a little bit jaded to be like, yeah, this is the guy who we need. It's like, right, but or we could have more talent. But, you know, Marcus Smart was that guy that kind of brought both of those things. And that's what made him so great. So let's go to number three. Okay, continuing with the Marcus Smart type of plays, right? This is a clip that has been circulating around the internet since Marcus Smart got traded. It's one of the most popular, most most shared clips probably in Celtics Nation, the James Harden game, where yeah. in Boston, Celtics are down late in the game. Marcus Smart decides he's going to pick up James Harden full court and on consecutive plays draws <laughs> draws offensive fouls before the ball has even been inbounded. And you just see James Harden just like, looking around with doing the doing the Tim Duncan Manu Ginobili Spurs thing that they all do. Yeah. He's just like, what what's happening right now? How are the refs falling for this? Because the first one, probably an offensive foul. The second one, complete flop. Marcus Mark completely flops. Oh, it was, it, it was Marcus baiting the ref, the crowd, just it, 
it, it was it was he probably should have won an oscar for it well the my favorite part about that is that you can see the ref got caught up in the human element of that and the emotion and his charge call on the second one yeah. is probably the most demonstrative charge call in the history <laughs> of the nba where he just knows that like this is his moment the crowd is going to go fucking nuts after he calls this charge the fact that marcus was able to influence the ref in yeah. that moment it was just so great and then they just pans to chris paul and he's just like he's he just laughing in the corner on his right? face yeah. like are you serious right now we're gonna lose this game because this dude just baited the ref and james harden into getting two straight offensive fouls unbelievable moment i've literally to this day i've never seen anything like that <laughs> I, like, like two two possessions where the balls never inbounded and and this is remember we always talk about this being a stars league this was at the peak of james harden being basically a no doubt top five mvp candidate versus marcus smart this is pre-defensive player of the year marcus smart you know a guy with obviously a stingy defensive reputation but the fact that he got back-to-back -back calls against an mvp like that i mean that just that 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 leads to his gamesmanship right and that's something i think i'm gonna miss because there were definitely times where it, it could be like all right marcus let's uh you know i don't think we necessarily need it but once again this is the no no yes this is the yes. This is the yes where it works and it won you a game in Boston against a team that you probably weren't supposed to beat at that time. And it's it's because of, of Marcus Smart. He's he's really hard to define. He's undefinable. And that was also one of the moments that I was thinking of today as we were as we were going to do this, that immediately when I think of Marcus Smart's time in Boston, that particular game jumps to the forefront. Okay, now I'm just like remembering all of the Marcus Smart moments and I'm going to pivot away from my list and we might even go beyond five here. Let's go. So I forget which year it is, um, but just for a little bit of context, Paul Millsap is still that dude. I think Thought it's on hog, yep. right? And at one point, Brad Stevens decides, Paul Millsap is killing us right now. Who am I going to go to to put out the fire? And he decides to call on his six foot two and a half, six foot three point guard to guard Paul Millsap, who was just cooking the Celtics in that series. And Marcus, I don't think Marcus did a very good job on Millsap because Millsap was really like that dude at that time. But he, the fact that Marcus battled with him and the fact that Brad Stevens was like, you know what, Marcus Smart, you're covering Paul Millsap. You're the only person that I trust to be as physical as we need to be right now with Millsap. And he put Marcus Smart on Paul Millsap. I think it was in the playoffs. It was um, in the playoffs, yeah. yeah I, I forget the exact, I think it might have been that first, the year we played the Hawks, the first round. Uh, mm -hmm. I think the Hawks won that series, but it was Millsap had like a 47 point game or went, oh, just, just, just went ballistic. It was, it, we, we, I think we threw everything at him and had absolutely nothing left. And I think the game might've went to overtime if, I, if I'm remembering correctly. And the only chance that we had was putting Marcus Smart. And it made me think of, you know, especially with this trade, one of my favorite little Marcus Smart things was, you know, specifically more so when Porzingis was on the Knicks, is he would go into spells where he was, we didn't know what to do with him either. And at times Brad would say, Marcus, I just know you're going to be a pest. Mm -hmm. And he would ask him to guard seven foot three Chris Stapps Porzingis. And, you know, this is where this is kind of the origin story of Big Ball One, right? Mm -hmm. Where oh, Marcus, I'm going to miss Big Ball One. Right? Big Ball One's great. No more Big Ball One. And, you know, this is where he just he, he not necessarily that he was going to shut down everybody one through five, but there wasn't a guy, you know, other than maybe like an MB type. And even then, I'd rather him than many other many other guards that could end up on a mismatch with a guy like Embiid or Giannis that regardless of what position you put him in, 
he's going to fight. And if you're going to put him against guys like Millsap, who are, you know, 6'8", 6'9", Porzingis, 7'3", who want to, you know, try and live on the perimeter, he is going to make their life a living hell. Even if they succeed, it's not going to be easy. And, and that was one of the greatest things about Marcus Smart is nothing was ever going to be easy against him. Even when he was at a disadvantage, he was going to find a way to make it as hard for you as possible to succeed at your job. Yeah, and I mean, thinking of another behemoth unicorn in the league that he's been entrusted to cover, sometimes he covers Giannis Antetokounmpo. And his like little rivalry that he has with Giannis, the fact that Giannis like really cannot stand Marcus Smart, as there's that one hilarious clip of, I think, Giannis like mouthing, like, I can't fucking stand that guy. Um, <laughs> you know, with, with Marcus, he's not the best player on the team, right? That goes to Jason Tatum. Jalen Brown's a better player than him as well. But the fact that he was able to get in the head of somebody like Giannis Antetokounmpo and that everybody on the court knew like they had to be aware of where Marcus Smart is at all times, that's something the Celtics really going to miss. And I don't know who the yeah. other guy is going to be. If Grant is also gone, like he, he was kind of like trying to fill that role a little bit last year. So with Marcus being gone now, um, that, this is going to be interesting. But that's probably like one of the things about Marcus Smart that I rem I'm going to remember, not specific moments, but how he was always willing to get under the skin of the mm -hmm. opposing team's best player, and especially if they were a bigger player than he is because Marcus Smart knew that. He's like, you know what? I might be a smaller dog, but I got a bigger heart. And like, let's go bite for bite and see what happens. So this is going to I'm going to jump in with one of the moments that that I was thinking of for for Marcus Smart and it was in that 2017 Eastern Conference Finals. So this is the Isaiah Thomas team that beats the Wizards in in 7 games and they were completely outmatched against the Cleveland Cavaliers in that series. They lose the series 4 games to 1. I think Isaiah Thomas only plays the first 2 games and then his hip injury and everything else from there kind of uh, kind of unravel. So once you remove even Isaiah, who had a top five MVP year, there was just zero shot. But, you know, leading up to that series, the Cavs went 4-0-4-0 in the first two rounds. The Celtics got one game in that series. It was game three. And Marcus Smart in that game goes 7 of 10 from three-point range for 27 points. And it's it, I think it, it it just speaks to the, I know we don't have a chance, but I don't give a shit. Mm -hmm. I don't give a shit, and I'm going to find a way for us. We're not getting swept. We're going to get something out of this. And so, obviously, the Celtics never really had a chance in that series. That was the, you know, out of all the Cavs, Celtics, or LeBron, Celtics series, that was the one they had the, the absolute least chance in. But the fact that Marcus found a way to get one game, you know, when you look at LeBron going through DeRozan, Lowry, Oladipo, maybe that was the Paul George, I think, even Pacers, and none of those stars could get one game. One game from LeBron, Kyrie, and Kevin Love. And Marcus Smart, somehow, some way, he, he got it done to get one game. And I think it just speaks to the Marcus of no matter what situation I'm in, I'm going to give you everything I have. And I might not win every time, but sometimes, you know what? I'm, I'm going to find a way to get it done. And this one, you know, like, like listen, Amir Johnson was the starting center in that game. <laughs> so I'm looking at the box score right now. That's, I mean, that's kind of where we were at with this team, Jonas Jerebko was the, you know, was playing eight, was playing 13 minutes off the bench. Like, this is not a good team. This was not mm -hmm. a good team, and Marcus Smart found a way to get it done. So just another another playoff no-no yes moment from Marcus Smart. Let's take our final break, and then I know we had a plan for this pod, but I'm just enjoying talking about Marcus yeah, Smart moments, so let's just keep it rolling with that.
All right, we're back here. Greg, What's uh, what else you got in your mind here when it comes to Marcus Smart? Well, just kind of building off of what you said, I'm thinking more just like um, like the archetypes of Marcus Smart, these like umbrella things that Marcus Smart did, not necessarily moments, but just like the essence of who Smart was. And there were all these, always these games where nobody else on the team had it. And you knew very early on, we'd be texting and be like, oh, it feels like one of those games where Marcus is going to have to step up because Tatum and Brown just like didn't have it for whatever reason. Um, they look lethargic on the court. Maybe the moment's too big for them. And Marcus is that guy in those moments where you could just feel that Marcus was going to step up in, in, in one of those games. He always had that sense for the moment. And I think that speaks to um, what will be interesting in Memphis for him is just like how much more is he entrusted to to have bigger games on a more consistent basis? Because although Ja is there and Ja's great, um, Ja will kind of float from time to time. And Desmond Bain is is great as well, but he's he still hasn't come into who he is as a player. Jaron Jackson Jr., really interesting to see how he's going to continue to develop. But what Marcus Smart is going to be able to do for the Grizzlies is just really interesting because he always had that sense for my team doesn't have it. I'm going to need to step up into this moment. And you and I were always aware of those games. <laughs> yeah, it was always very evident when it was happening in the moment. And the funny thing was because it was such a balance. And this was, this was the whole thing with Marcus Smart was that balance of when to say, all right, my guys don't have it, I got to step up, as opposed to starting the game with, I think I'm the guy, mm -hmm. you know, and, and trying to figure out because there was a point where, you know, you could track just, just how many shots Marcus was taking in a game. And I, it was like around 11 or 12, I forget what the number was. And it was like below 11, Celtics win like 70 to 80% of those games. If he's shooting over 12, they were, you know, they were, they were below 500 teams. You know, and it was like, ah, man, that really seems like a, like a point of delineation. Like right now, we just, we just got to figure out how and when Marcus is taking some of these shots, but you're right. It was, it was really cool to see some of those games where it's like, my guys don't got it. I, you know, it's my time to step up. And I really thought in the last two years specifically is when he really started to find that balance. When he finally mm -hmm. was given the keys to say, you are the point guard of this team. Uh, he really, he really found that balance in a way that I think makes this trade a little bit harder right? Because I think if this trade happens two years ago and we never really saw, we're just like, man, I wish we got that version of Marcus where he could have known. I don't want to say know his place. That 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 sounds a little demeaning. I, I don't mean to know, but just there is a hierarchy within a team, mm -hmm. right? Like you're going to have, you have two all NBA guys. Like it, it kind of should flow through them. And then you have, you know, the, whether it's Brogdon or Horford, whoever for these certain, they're very specific roles with their spacing. And so Marcus, you kind of have to be the guy that picks and chooses when do you need to step up? When do you need to go get that shot? And over the last two years, he really found a much, much better rhythm with when to do that and when not to do that. And because we did get to see that mixed with him, obviously winning defensive player of the year, last year the Celtics uh, getting to the NBA Finals this year, falling short despite getting to Game 7 of, of the Eastern Conference Finals, it, it just makes it that much harder because we saw – the fully realized version of what we've always wanted for so long. Mm -hmm. Got it. And now it's gone. Yeah. Other things that I'm going to miss about smart, you know, speaking to the, the chemistry that you started to see him find with other guys on the court over the last couple of years where he was entrusted with that starting point guard role, a role that I advocated for like very early on in the Marcus smart experiment. Um, facts. We got documents. We got documents when Kemba, when Kemba initially went out, I was like, all right, time to turn the keys over to Marcus. I think the, 
baseline backdoor cut to Jalen Brown that we started to see like almost every game this year, that's going to be missed. The lob over the top to Robert Williams when Rob's healthy, that's yeah. going to be missed. Like these little passes that you you only develop through years of playing with somebody where you just know where other guys are going to be on the court. Where you don't even have to think about it. It's just like secondary transition break, busted up the right side of the court. Uh, people think you're going to go to some like pistol action or something like that. And then boom, like backdoor cut, Jalen Brown dunk at the rim. I'm going to miss that next year because we don't know right now who's going to be the yeah. point guard of the Boston Celtics. Derek White's like not a real point guard. Um, I would imagine Jason Tatum's probably going to be doing most of the ball handling in that first unit if it is the white, brown, Tatum, insert, big man, and, and Porzingis, right? If that's the starting five, there's not a real point guard on that lineup. Like every single person can handle the ball, but maybe not a real point guard. So we're going to miss Marcus Smart's ability to just like actually handle the point guard role on the team and be able to like deal with full court pressure, get a team into an offense, know where guys are going to be. Um, but the the little little plays like that, the backdoor cut to Jalen Brown, the lob over the top to Rob, uh, you're going to miss those moments. Yeah, I mean, he, he became the, the floor general out there, right? You know, but this gets to... You know, the like you said, it's going to be different. And I think that's an important element of of this trade is that there need to be something different. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard when you have a core that, to your point, a lot of the things that are, that we're going to miss are stuff you can only do when you've had a core that's together for so long. And you can say, I've, I've been with Rob since he was a rookie. I know exactly where he wants to be, when he wants the ball. You know, same with Jalen Brown. They've been, they've been on this team together now for all of Jalen Brown. He's been with Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Rob Williams for all of their careers. They know nothing else besides life with Marcus Smart on your mm -hmm. team. That's yeah. all of their NBA existence. And so through that, you, you build that chemistry in which you can only know that through, through years of, of working together. But now that we have something different, what's that going to look like? You know, I, I, I would say I think Derek White does have a little bit more point guard in him than I think we've seen. And I'm going to be interested to see with this elevated role what that looks like because uh, there is a lot more on his shoulders. So, you know, as great as the season was and we gave him so many flowers and, you know, and he deserved them, you know, he's, he's earned himself quite a promotion as mm -hmm. to what's going to be expected of him. You know, we're no longer is it a nice bonus if Derek White does x y or z it's going to be cool he did the silent stuff we need the loud stuff sometimes too where it's going to be more expected across that box score and so with marcus gone there's there's definitely you know a hole in this team as far as what to expect night in night out um you know just some other marcus smart memories that that i'm kind of thinking of right now you and i were talking about this before we hopped on uh that bubble series against the against the raptors that was probably individually maybe his his best series as yeah. a player it was mag you know, it, but it was a magnum opus that's yeah what that's the right yeah, yeah. Well, who knows man you, you're asking me i just said the word environment yeah you're asking me as if as if i should be the the, the the you know the the one who should know on this podcast but uh but yeah i mean i just think about that series man and you know we were talking about do we definitively decide it was game two in which he hit six threes in the fourth mm -hmm. quarter? Another one of these, you know, this is about the third or fourth time we've talked about a no, no, yes moment that ended on a yes, you know, that ended. Yeah. In, you know, and Marcus Mark could get hot from three, man. It's, it's wild, man. Cause he, 
his shot it's actually you know it's funny because we'll talk about the draft here briefly in a, in a second but you know I, I went back and and i watched his um when he got drafted by the celtics and they talked about like what you know what were the benefits of, of marcus smart or what the pros and cons were and all of them still kind of are true <laughs> it was basically you're getting a dog on defense this guy is not afraid to guard anybody he's going to be you know he's going to be the energy for your team the one weakness is that his shot comes and goes and he's i mean it still happens it's improved uh but i always thought that his shot looked good and then when it goes in and it's in it, and once again because we knew marcus smart so well for almost a decade in their lives the type of shots he took i feel like you and i could sit there and before he released it we had a probably about a 75 to 80% chance of guessing if it was going in or not just based oh, yeah. on the release that the flow, the area of the court that he was taking it, it, it just felt, it almost felt like, like Rondo back in the day with, with some of the moves that he would make. We just knew it was coming before it even happened. Yeah. And one, one more thing with the, um, the, the Marcus versus the Raptor series, cause we do have to wrap here. We, we have a, a bus leaving, um, very soon. So I don't know if you saw the, the update, but that's, that's going to be at 10 o'clock will, and it's nine okay. 20. So, so we, yeah, we, we gotta, gotta, we gotta get, we gotta wrap here. So last, last Marcus moment, um, game six against the Raptors, right? Raptors end up forcing a game seven. Norm Powell gets out, out on a fast break. Marcus's hips are not aligned properly. And F Powell finishes over Marcus smart to pretty much seal the game. It was a really big moment. Yep. Game seven, Marcus has the exact same situation, learns from his mistake, blocks Norm Powell at the rim to save the series and to send the Celtics off to, I think it was the Eastern Conference Finals at that point. Maybe it was the semifinals. Yeah. No, that was the Eastern but, Conference Finals. Yeah. yeah, and like to learn from his mistake, game to game, to have that exact situation back and to make the correct adjustment and block a very athletic Norm Powell at the rim. Um, that was one of my favorite Marcus moments. And we could continue, we could do three more podcasts about all the great Marcus. And we'll, we'll hit on some more because like you said, we're doing this basically with what are the top things that came to our mind. And, and as you can see, it's avalanching down into a, a much longer farewell. The, the bottom line of this is Marcus smart will be missed. I think it's exciting to think about this new version of the Celtics. I'm sure we'll have obviously a lot to talk about as we go throughout the offseason. But, you know, Marcus Smart, he is a Celtic through and through. He is the imbibement or embodiment of the Tommy Point. And, you know, he will be sorely missed. Uh, we do, I do wish him well in Memphis. I like the Memphis team until they took kind of a heel turn, been, been mm -hmm. kind of a, you know, a fan favorite. So we'll see what that does. Maybe Marcus is the adult that they needed. And, uh, and I think it's a really good fit. So, this is our farewell for now for Marcus Smart. We'll touch on it more later, but we're going to wrap this pod here. This is going to be the full Marcus Smart episode. Uh, we appreciate all you guys for, for tuning in along with us here. We're going to have more for you later in the week from myself, from Greg. We'll have Adam Taylor jumping in here. We'll talk a little bit about the most recent draft pick with the Celtics, Jordan Walsh, um, as well as we'll, talk, we'll hit some other topics from around the NBA as free agency. It's coming up right around the corner, so plenty for us to get into, but that's going to do it for this episode of Green with Envy. Any final thoughts, Greg? And then let us know what we're going to hear on the way out. Love and trust for, for always, forever, forever. Love and trust always and forever. <laughs> hey, man, I couldn't get through the intro the other day. It's bound to happen. This is, this is what Marcus Smart does. He makes you emotional. You can't get through your words. It happens. Love and trust, Marcus Smart. We salute.
Misanthropic rapists, they bleed us through feed us where we congregate and we crave information. They gave us sensation, replaced with enslaved imitations. I've been on my Elon, y'all can hop up in my spaceship. Take you up the cave, show you fire of the ancients. Souls on the coals, we don't want in no ASICs. Movement is basic, remove the illusion of you, cause the truth is I'm clueless. Don't know how they do this. I'm caught up in a potluck of chalked up conclusions. Viewing the movement, confused and assuming. Cooped up in computer. And the truth's fucked and suing I've been living on the question And I know no other way I've been drifting on suggestion And the road is staying straight I came to hear the people speak So say what you must say But ain't nobody gotta tell me You got the only way Question their lies, I'll show you the end. 